So, Marshall, we're talking about Kenneth Chesbro, the uh, Wisconsin attorney. What happened in his interview with prosecutors and in the Oval Office? Well, he told prosecutors about what he called a photo op gone wrong in the Oval Office in December 2020. Go back to that hectic time. At that moment, Trump's team in Wisconsin had just lost their election challenge. And the lawyers who led that case were in D.C. for a meet and greet with their client. Before they walked into the Oval Office, they were told, do not give him false hope. Do not indulge the conspiracies about the election. Some of them listened. Some of them didn't. Here is a clip from Ken Chesbrough describing what the lead attorney in Wisconsin, Jim Troopas, told Donald Trump. It's clear that um, Troopas personally told the president there was zero hope for Wisconsin. As part of this message, I, I think, crafted to try to get him to concede, to just you know, give up this, this, this long-shot challenge. So there was a, there was a conscious effort to um, deflect him from a sense of any possibility that he could pull out the election. Zero hope. That's what he said. So, uh, look, some people around Trump told him that he couldn't win, and he went on and tried to overturn the election anyway. That's a huge part of special counsel Jack Smith's criminal case. That indictment is filled to the brim with examples of Trump being told by advisors and lawyers that he lost. This Oval Office meeting was not in the indictment, so it builds on the existing case, the existing evidence against Trump. And you also say that another part of the audio, audio reveals something that could possibly help Donald Trump's defense. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's when Chesbrough started talking in the meeting uh, with Donald Trump. Uh, again, remember, he was told... Don't give Trump any hope. Once the conversation moved to Arizona, he did just that. Take a listen. So I, I ended up explaining that Arizona was still hypothetically possible because the alter electors had voted. And I explained the whole logic. Because the alter electors had voted, we had more time to win the litigation. So it was, I think, clear in a way that maybe it hadn't been before that we had till January 6th to, to win. So he brought up January 6th, brought up the fake electors. He told Trump that there was still a viable path to keep contesting the election. This was immediately met with fallout. Reince Priebus, who helped arrange the meeting because of his Wisconsin connections and the former his White RNC House. chairman and the former White House chief of staff. Exactly. Yeah. He helped arrange the meeting. He was in the room. He was livid. Listen to Chesbro describing Priebus's reaction. Right after the meeting, um, Troopas... Well, Troopas said that 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 Wright's Priebus was extremely concerned with what I told the president about Arizona and about the real deadline being January 6th, and um, that he was going to do damage control. Reince was going to follow up, and I I, I, I mean I, I was trying to mitigate whatever optimism I guess I created. So some people told Trump he lost. Some people told Trump he could keep fighting. We all know which path he chose, uh, which, of course, ended with the insurrection here in Washington. Yeah, also ended up with Kenneth Chesbrough getting indicted. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and Trump. And, and Donald Trump. Uh, Marsh Cohen, excellent reporting. Thank you so much. Senior political correspondent for The New York Times, Maggie Haberman, is here. She left her Pulitzer Prize at home. Maggie, uh, what stands out to you most when you hear... Uh, this, uh, this, these tapes, uh, and Marshall's excellent reporting. Honestly, it's terrific reporting, and it's actually the fact of this meeting happening in the first place is what stands out to me, because when Chesbro pleaded guilty and Jenna Ellis pleaded guilty, the basic takeaway for people around Trump was, well, 
Chesbro didn't really deal with Trump directly, so he doesn't know that much, but Jenna Ellis did. There's clearly a lot more to learn about what was happening in these various interactions. And the fact that, as Marshall said, he brought it up proactively, giving the desire by all of these people around Trump, not to the same degree, but to please him, to bring yeah. him some kind of offering, is what stood out to me there. And Chesbro is clearly willing to talk pretty openly. Yes. Uh, in a way that could be pretty damaging to Donald Trump. What do you know about others in Trump's circle who might also be willing to flip? I'm, I'm thinking, of course, of a different White House chief of staff, Mark Meadows. Are the dominoes starting to fall here? I think we're going to wait a long time until we would see something like that. Look, I, I can't predict whether Meadows will flip. If he does, I think it would be problematic for Trump, just given the volume of what he knows. But I, I think that he uh, shared enough with investigators that they're going to be able to paint a pretty compelling picture at this point already. I'm not sure how badly they need a plea like that as opposed to a plea like this. I just would say one other thing that stood out to me from that audio is that Reince Priebus was probably having PTSD yeah. from trying to have, you know, a, a meeting not get derailed from the time when he was chief of staff in that White House. It's also just so odd because here you have this, this president and he has all these people that he knows. Mm -hmm. um, the White House counsel, his attorney general, mm -hmm. former White House chiefs of staff, um, like Ryan Priebus, et cetera, all of them saying, it's over, right. you lost. And then this, just these stragglers are coming in, people he doesn't know, barely knows, whatever. They tell him what he likes, mm -hmm. so he listens. So there used to be a line that one of his senior advisors would use, which is that if Trump wants an opinion on something, he will ask 49 people, and then a 50th of that 50th will give him the answer that he wants. And that's literally what you saw here. It was a parade of people, as you say, telling him this is over. Even if they weren't all doing it that declaratively, there were enough people telling him, you are out of options here. And then he gets one who says, no, 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 this is real, and he goes for that. Yeah, it's just these stray dogs that he brings in and just listens to them bark as long as he likes the sound of it. Let's move to the news today. A federal judge has just paused Donald Trump's uh, 2024 election interference case, which could lead his March 2024 trial to be delayed. Uh, earlier today, uh, Trump lawyers compared special counsel Jack Smith to the Grinch uh, for trying to uh, keep the trial on schedule. Here is what they wrote. This is an honest-to-God court filing. My hand to God. Quote, this proposed schedule would require attorneys and support staff to work round the clock through the holidays, inevitably disrupting family and travel plans. It is as if the special counsel growled with his Grinch fingers, nervously drumming, I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming, but how? So the lawyers of Whoville could have a bleak Christmas, I guess is the argument. Um, what are the real world and, um, and uh, political consequences and legal consequences if the trial is delayed, and how likely do you think it is? It's, there is a real possibility the trial will be delayed. I think that the March 4th start date has seemed aspirational for some time. The question is, how long? Does it start, say, before the Republican nominating convention in mid-July? Does it start at some point later in the summer? Would the judge feel okay starting it in August? And I, there's so many variables built into this. It's very hard to say when this will begin. It is still seen as the likeliest trial to start before the election, if not the only one. But there's a, a lot of moving parts. Um, and obviously, you can't you can't keep these trials uh, tr you can't keep track of them without a program especially when you bring in some of the other players. Rudy Giuliani already found liable for the defamation of those two election workers uh, who the court found were greatly harmed by his election lies. They're seeking tens of millions of dollars. At a, a trial today, um, those, uh, the, the trial today, uh, they, um, the Giuliani told reporters everything he said about the women was true. Um, and this could uh, support another defamation claim, according to the judge. We know Giuliani 
already has serious financial troubles due to all the Trump legal cases at this point. Does he have value digging into these lies more than the money he could lose become of it, do you think? No, I, I, it's hard to fathom why Giuliani is saying what he is saying. And I think that anybody who has been around Giuliani who is no longer with him privately says the same thing. People can't understand what the strategy is here. Why is he even testifying? I mean, to be quite frank, he says a lot of really wild, crazy, untrue things, and he's now saying them you know, under oath. Based on people I talk to who are close to him, there is a part of him that genuinely believes that he has been proven right about various things, whether it is some of his arguments about Hunter Biden, because remember, he was the one who was trying to force that laptop into the conversation in 2020, uh, that he genuinely believes that he is right in some of the allegations he is making here. And they all, not all, but many of them have adopted the Donald Trump ethos of fight, fight, fight. If you, if you believe you're right, then you fight. And I think that is what he is doing. This is different than what I would have expected expected to see him do uh, a couple of decades ago. Last question. Donald Trump has clearly been campaigning something of a basement campaign, something of the kind of big campaign that Joe Biden did in 2020. A lot of Republicans made fun of him. They talked about how Donald Trump was out there doing six, seven events a day. Joe Biden was doing maybe one. Donald Trump's not even doing one campaign event a day. He might be doing two or three a week. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, he's 77. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he's far and ahead the front runner. He doesn't need to do it. Um, at, at what point do you think uh, the pride that he feels about the fact that he used to be so vigorous and able to do this, and it's pretty apparent that he doesn't seem capable of doing it anymore, at least there's no evidence that he can do it anymore, that that's going to cause him to try to get back into that old routine? Among other things, he's not doing rallies. Uh, Yes, he is older. Um, yes, he is far ahead. They also cost a lot of money, and so they don't see the reason to spend campaign resources when they don't have to. I don't think that that is it. proving himself in that way is a top-of-mind concern for him, especially if, as they hope, Iowa delivers him a sizable victory mm -hmm. on January 15th. Remember, it's a state that he lost in right. 2016. Ted Cruz. He is so much more focused on the legal cases than on specifically the political campaign oh. on balance right now, and specifically the a case we haven't talked about, the New York Attorney General case, because that involves his business, and that involves the extent to which he is going to be able to continue to run his business as is, and we will know the details of that outcome in January, and he will appeal whatever that is, and that's going to go on for a while. But that case cuts at the heart of his identity and who he is. It is just fundamentally different than anything else we're talking about. It seems very likely he's going to lose that case, have to pay a fine, and maybe lose his business license be a in real, New York. It could be a really big case. We don't know how many properties it impacts. It, yeah. it, we, there are so many unanswered questions. It's tough to see that case going this way. Maggie Hayden. It already hasn't. He's already lost it. It's right. The question is just what the outcome is. How bad is. the penalty is Correct. going to be. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, Maggie Haberman, thanks so much.